Hey, Marcus. What's up? Do you like movies? Yes, I do. I like movies, too. I'm Scott Thorough. I'm Marcus Pinn. We are uh, Zebras in America podcast. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, on on Friday nights, Hebras in America podcast. If anyone gets offended, I'm Jewish. Um, this is a very special episode. No, it's not. Um, actually, it's a special episode because we're alive. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's like pretty special. Yeah. Word up to our ancestors. All right. Um, this is also interesting because you, uh, this our 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 podcast works in a strange time release thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. So this episode is the closest to um, a current episode we've ever had. Yep. Also, but then what's funny is that the episode after this episode has already been recorded. Yeah. I only say this because in the episode that comes out next week, we will talk about Wonder Woman for a little while. Because at the time, I had seen Wonder Woman, and I but had you been. had not. Yeah. But on this episode, you 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 went to see a bunch of movies this weekend. I did for the first time in a while. I, I missed that. It felt good. Well, once in my life. <laughs> um. So, what movies did you see? I saw. Um, in order, I saw It Comes at Night. Uh, I saw Wonder Woman, and I saw this movie, Nasty Baby. That's a funny name. It is. And the movie is even... The movie is funny style, and that's not in a good way. It's a little problematic. So so tell me what you felt about it. Nasty Baby. It's this film uh, about a woman who's trying to get pregnant, and she's trying to have her one of her two gay friends who are in a relationship together be the sperm donor. And she also wants... To have them raise the kid with her, so this kid would have three parents. And she's in her late thirties. Her clock is ticking, and then it turns out one of the two gay lovers, who's played by Tunde from TV on the radio, his sperm count is really good. So uh, he decide after some cold feet. There's this whole thing where, all right, I'll do it. I'll donate my sperm. Then he decides to like, wait, I I I don't want to do this. Then he goes, okay, fine, I'll do it. And it's this whole thing. And you think the movie is this whole thing about co-parenting and whatnot, but then a murder happens, and I don't Yo, know if I should say when, anymore. When did that movie come out? Uh, last year, actually. Because I saw that movie. Oh, you did? Yeah, I'm like, you're talking to me about this movie, and I'm like... Nasty Baby, yeah. It also Yo. co-stars my number one crush, Alia Shawkat. I'm, let me, I'm just double-checking on the internet if this is correct, but yeah. I'm like, yo, this... is Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig is the main character. She's the woman who wants to get pregnant. And it's and, and then, the thing, though, ultimately, the movie is a low-key comment about gentrification. Yes. But, I was... I thought the movie was kind of dumb. Then I heard the filmmaker speak. And then I respected it and liked the movie even less than I already did. Yo, and I... And was a big... And I, I just had problems with it. Because at the end of the... He's talking... At the, there was a Q&A and this filmmaker who co-stars in the movie. Yeah, this I saw this guy. movie. Yeah. This is this is how yeah. unremarkable this movie is. Man, You've been talking man. to me about this movie for like before we were recording. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because I didn't even remember. Yeah. I watched this movie and I was like, I'm not into this. Yeah. And like, this, and here's my problem. I don't know. Like the movie ends with them. Like they go roller skating and yeah. stuff. And that just bothered me because, I, look, I understand. I'm not someone who, if you look at a lot of my favorite filmmakers, from Claire Denis to Michael Haneke, we'll be talking about him eventually, 
to David Lynch to whoever. So many of my all-time great filmmakers, there is not resolution in their films. Sure. So that I always have to preface that because, but in because in a story like this, though, there needed to be a little resolution. And I just and I guess I guess the movie's not even like it was badly made, or the movie other people don't find it bad. I just feel like with the goings on in this movie, these people needed their comeuppance in some way, and they didn't get it. And but the thing is, that's how it is. Like even with gentrification, like folks come in. They displace people who've been there for decades, and they just go on about their happy lives. And that's kind of, even as I talk, I'm respecting the movie a little bit more now, because, like, oh, okay. It's even, like, this whole idea of, like, there's the scene where the murder happens. I don't know how much you remember this movie, and it's fine if you don't, where the guy, they get into a scuffle, he knocks the guy over, and he hits his head, but then he comes up the stairs and tries to kill him after he got knocked out and it's almost this like zombie thing where it's like a zombie of Brooklyn is coming back to reclaim his Brooklyn like he's coming back from the dead I think you're and giving the filmmaker not, more credit let me let me step back and say this is how it was presented this this is what was said I didn't come up with this because you, you're absolutely right I don't want to be I don't want to be credited with, with giving that movie credit uh, giving that movie the credit that I just gave someone else came up with that uh, analyzation but I agree with you I don't like the movie overall even though as I just said, I was talking. Oh, maybe I do kind of like that. Overall, movie was dumb. I think that's the best way to describe it. And I like some of the people involved in that movie. I've watched too. a lot of movies. Like Kristen Wiig is really, aside from like Ghostbusters and Bridesmaids, mm-hmm. she's really done a bunch of weird films. Oh yeah. And Welcome to Me. Welcome to Me. I enjoyed. Um, uh, Skeleton Twins. Which um, I think my fiance is in for a second. Really. Yeah, because they filmed at the bar that she used to work at. Oh, wow. And it's like, all right. And then she was in this other movie um, where she's like trying to find her father. Oh, I don't know that one. It was all right. I think this this is me. Is that what it's called? Welcome to me? Welcome to me. I enjoyed that. It missed, it missed something. I'm a little more harder on it because I'm just big on <clears throat> the quirky orange pink yellow color palleted american indie movies i just have i just take issue with that and it's unfair because even before i saw welcome to me which i did see i was already turning my nose up at it and and i I admit that in the very good missing episode four yeah we talk about how there was a certain point that indie film stopped becoming a means and became like a genre yeah. And we argued that at some point it was it was like around Little Miss Sunshine sort of stuff. And then Yeah, no, uh yeah. once we fi- guys, you have no idea. Yeah, once we find episode for. 4, you know it's it's really good. It's amazing. It's a very good episode. Uh so and but there is like also this thing where it just became like there are these films that are clearly trying to do a more palatable version of something else and and i pin it to it's todd haynes todd solons um and hal hartley those are the three main copied american indie filmmakers yeah because i was about to say those those people aren't making yeah um people are copying their films to make them more palatable they're the ones who win and there's little remnants too of like a greg or rocky or tom kalen also i'll I'll make it a five i'll go i'll go even further because the one of the examples that i that i talk about sometimes is um uh the even the kaufman's the kaufman 
Charlie Kaufman yeah, is much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that film with Will Ferrell where he thinks he's in a book. Oh, Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction. Mm-hmm. That movie was like clearly trying to make a more palatable Charlie Kaufman movie. Yeah. But sure. I liked it. I don't have much of an opinion on, on Stranger Than, Than Fiction. So it's not saying I hated it. I just, I saw it once. I saw it on a plane, actually. I like, so, so that, so that kind of... I like puns. Mm-hmm. Big surprise, I like puns. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I really do. I have a funny story. And so when he, when he's like trying to, when he's trying to game up Mrs. Gyllenhaal, Miss Gyllenhaal's yeah. character, and he's like, I brought you flowers. And it's a box of different type of baking flowers and not, you know, the flowers that come yeah. from the ground. Because yeah. I think, like, I know you don't like when I get too political, but I think oh. giving people flowers is like, we're giving you this beautiful thing that dies. Maybe we should give people better gifts. Sure. But I really enjoyed that. And I think Welcome to Me or This Is Me or something like that. Welcome to Me, yeah. Was um, uh, sort of like trying to make a more palatable, like, Miranda July movie. Yeah. But it was still like pretty odd. And see, but it's yeah, I, I agree with what you say. My only thing is I can't give too much credit to Miranda July because she is someone who is from that Todd Solon's Hal Hartley Todd Haynes school of filmmaking. Miranda July is two thousand because uh, uh, me and you and everyone you know, which is a movie I like by the way. We've talked about this before. I, I adore that, that film. That was two thousand five. So the filmmakers I'm talking about started in the late eighties. Sure. And 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 finally came to prominence. In that like late mid late nineties Sundance period, yes. where w- when stuff started to explode, and it's funny because everyone went uh, di- different ways. We saw Todd Haynes is out of that group as the one guy that went on to like big time stardom, um, and then you have also Todd like, Solons who kind of floated in the middle. He's still able to work with like known actors, and then you've got a Hal Hartley who, unfortunately, in my opinion, he's my favorite of the three. Who's kind of has now in two thousand seventeen. He's considered the obscure. He's in, the the obscure obscure one out of the group. So also also like the success of Sling Blade. That was mid nineties. Yeah. yeah. So I I I I have issue with so I do think that Miranda July uh, got some of her work some of her, was inspired at least in tone from Todd Salons, mm-hmm. but I don't. I wouldn't say that she ripped off from Todd Salons. No, I, I think she's very. She's a very singular, interesting voice that I think is much needed. And also, unlike many of the names, all the names you mentioned, a woman, yes, uh, an yeah, artist, yeah, yeah, comes yeah. from an art background. That's what I was gonna check myself. Some of the stuff. Check in yourself that movie, before you wreck yourself. Some of the stuff in that movie comes directly from her visual and performance art. Yeah, and her performance so, art her performance art is dope. Yeah. I saw her um I saw her live years ago. What's the place in Gowanus? Galapagos? Um, Galapagos yes, there you go. Galapagos. Yeah, I saw her. Because that would that would be the place that you would that see would Miranda be, July. Yes, yeah. That's I knew you I knew you would know it. Because I would think like where in yeah. Um you know, she. I read a book based on her recommendation, not like in person. I never met her, mm-hmm. but I really like this book. Sheila Hetty is uh, how should a person be, or how a person should be, or something. It's like a a narrative. It's a it's a it's a it's a life. It's a nonfiction novel mm-hmm. about this woman going through her divorce and stuff. And I it was based on the the recommendation blurb on her book that I did. But back to puns. So if you've been listening to the podcast, I'm dealing with terrible headaches. 
they're still going on. So I tried a new treatment this week mm-hmm. uh, where they were like shooting injections into me. Fuck, man. Don't make it a big deal. That sucks. Have you ever smoked PCP? No. Uh, It's funny. I was hanging out with DJ Snafu, and he was like, you know, you mentioned that you smoked PCP on the show a lot. And I'm like, did I mention that I smoked it? And he was like, uh... So apparently I mentioned PCP a lot on the show, and I'm not going to stop. I can only think of two times. Which is, but that's still... Two out of twelve... Episodes that are up at this point, two out of twelve, and we're talking about PCP. That is, those odds are kind of you know, and this is only two that I can think of, off off my, without having to think. So maybe maybe there's three or four. I'm just trying to live my life. <laughs> I'm just trying to be the best version of myself that I can be, and the worst at the same time. Wow. Duality. Yeah. Dialectics. <laughs> are you doing those commercials? Those Dianetics commercials? No, Dialectic. Oh, Dialectics. Oh. Yeah, reminded di- me of those. Those commercials used to scare me when I was a kid. The Dianetics book commercials. Yeah, I'm there not... There was a weird zoom-in that would go into an alley. And I'm not gonna... Guy. I'm not gonna make any comments about Scientology because, oh. like, they go deep. And yeah, I don't I'm, want them to come looking for like, me. Like, it seems like we have, like, a in-the-hundreds listener base at this point, and yeah. I... But who knows how deep their look. So I'm not going to the, make... They're the religious version of, like, I heard you were talking shit. Like, yeah. just show up at your door. Like, I heard you were talking shit. Oh, what? No. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Let me explain. No, yeah. They're, they're, they're Kevin Smith yeah. and uh, Jason <laughs> yeah. Hughes at the yeah. end of... Yes. James oh, Silent Bob Strike Back. Literally at, at your front door with yeah. a list of your address. Yeah. I, I enjoy Kevin Smith. I do, too. You know, I think... I think he's. I think he's the example of like someone who like blew up way larger than probably people expected, but then slash wanted. Slash wanted. And I think that's where a lot of this hate comes from because a lot of people legitimately relate to him, and I think a lot of people by nature are jealous. So they see Kevin Smith and they tell themselves that could have been me, and that makes them upset. No one catches more shit than that. Nice. He call. He he brings it on himself sometimes. But at the same time, it's a lot of times it's unwarranted. And I think that just comes from he's just a relatable guy. And people are like, that could have been me. Fuck you, Kevin Smith. But he just seems like he's like he's like super non-pretentious and he doesn't pretend yeah. like he doesn't... He knows what he does. He's like a very incredibly self-aware person. Yes. And, uh... Yeah. That's you know, he just, he just... Yeah, so I think he's maligned more than he needs to be. And I'm, I'm excited that he's making a new Jay and Silent Bob movie because I thought... Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back was probably his best, his funniest movie. Are you kidding? Yeah, just from the I'm, that was a there was a period. It was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Dude Where's My Car, and Harold and Kumar. That like three, two, three year period where just the cameos were so cameos. Great. Tracy Morgan's cameo in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back gets rewound so much. It's, it's one of the funniest things it's ever. Also, like Dude Where's My Car, Andy really. Dick. Really opened the floodgates for, um, you know, stoner, stoner like sci-fi movies. Well, yeah, just I do want to say that the precursor to all that Repo Man, if we're talking a stone, literally a stoner sci-fi movie, but it's not a stoner drugs. comedy. You don't think Repo Man? It's a it's a it's it's a comedy that you and I find funny. Uh, so many people find it funny. I thought it. it I don't. I think of it. I think of it as a comedy, but in like a different way. Hmm. I like both of those movies. I yeah. prefer I prefer yeah. Repo Man. Yeah, like like Repo Man is is like 
the film that like explains 80s nihilism and consumerism yes. best. Yeah. I tell you this. If that they could just like find a way... Live, if and some, I guess Less Than Zero. Yeah. If someone could find a way to supercut Andy Dick's cameo from Dude, Where's My Car? and put it into Repo Man, it would just be the ultimate movie. It would be like the Voltron of, of, of those movies. Because Mark from Connecticut is the funniest thing about that movie. The way he just... He, they stumble upon, you know, when they're in the cage. The guy from Star Trek, Data from Star Trek, yeah. captures him. And he tries to shake his hand. He goes, hi, Mark, I'm from Connecticut. And then one of the two, Ashton Kutcher, whoever, extends their hand. And he and he goes, all right, here we go. And he tries to eat their hand. Like, just the fact that he says, all right, here we go. And just tries to start eating his hand. I don't know. That's very funny to me. It is funny. So anyway, I'm at the doctor's. Yeah. Getting these shots. Mm-hmm. And the, the doctor's like, all right, I'm going to apply some local anesthetic. And I go, that's unacceptable. <laughs> and she's like, what? I'm like, I only allow foreign. <laughs> what, did you, what, was her, what was the reaction? Not yours. Oh, okay. No, she thought it was funny. Oh, it was, okay. okay. Was, um, I thought it was, but I thought it was like the funniest thing ever. So yeah, I, I saw Nasty Baby. Mm-hmm. But it was, it, was, it was so remarkable that you had to describe it for three minutes until I'm saying yeah 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 the, I, and, and yeah like before we even get in, into the, that's the thing before we get into the political bullshit about that movie it's just not I just didn't think it was very good before I get upset at like the social and political stuff about it the movie itself just, the only high point is that Ali Shawkat is in that movie sure for a, a good amount of so time. for so to be contrarian or argumentative um okay the actress that was in all the before movies? Yeah, Joey Delpy. She made that movie with Chris Rock recently? Yeah. Something Paris. Two nights in Paris. Two days in Paris. Because one of them's with uh, um, Adam Goldberg. Yeah, but she... But I, I, yeah, but she made one with Chris Rock. I'm, I'm confusing. She made one with Chris about. Rock in yeah. New York. Two yes. days in New York. Yes, yes. That's also incredibly about, you know, access and resource and gentrification and class. And it was a delightful movie. Yeah, and if I could just say one thing, because this guy, the director... Because I think those two movies are somewhat, you know, have different endings, obviously. Yeah. No, that movie, I feel like, deals with the same, a similar topic in a way that is just... Did you like that movie? What's that? Two Days in New York. I didn't see it. I just knew about it, because I I, I was going to the Angelica a lot when it was coming out, and I saw the trailer for it. I would bet Dollars to Donuts M. Tumay did not like it. Probably, and that's fine. It, it seems like ah, I shouldn't say it seems like an unlikable movie, but it it, it did. I, I don't know. I thought um, it was delightful, but that doesn't mean I think it's like delightful doesn't do much for me. Fair enough. I do. I, I have to put this out there because the director of Nasty Baby was at the Metro Rare for I saw, and he did a Q and A, and then I got furious because he told he told the audience the origins of that movie was. In his like hometown of Chile, there was a character like Bishop played in the, the the crazy homeless guy, who they kill. That's based on a real person, and the town didn't like him. And this director, I forgot his name. I'm not really gonna look it up. He uh, imagined himself one day just in a fit of rage, killing this guy and getting away with it, bec- and the whole town would have been fine with it. And that's and yo that, people but, are on, terrible. No, it's gonna get worse because this is fine because David Lynch is. David Lynch, one of David Lynch's uh, influences for Lost Highway was there's that famous scene in Lost Highway where Robert Loggia drives that guy off the road and this guy's beat him up and he just goes crazy on him. 
He said that was based on a real thing. He had road rage once, and David Lynch wanted to chase this guy down. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, but, yeah, no, but no, you know what? The, to, to, killing you know, is different. I know. Killing is different. Also, like, like the the not good crash, not not the 90s crash, the yeah, early aughts crash, yeah. was, like, him responding to, like, getting robbed or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Anyway. But anyway, more importantly is... Fuck 2000s crash. Yeah, fuck... Yeah. He, the, the director of Nasty Baby told that... And then he said that was the basis for his film. And then I felt that Tunde's character, who's a very dark-skinned black guy, uh, he plays his boyfriend in the movie, who's in on the murder. So it's this... Chilean is not white, but from appearance, he does look white. And then you have Kristen Wiig. Hold on. You have Kristen Wiig, and then you have Tunde. And I feel like had the couple been... A white. If it was an all-white seemingly couple, that movie would have been problematic, and he knew it. So hey, let me get a black guy who's also gay, which is just like there, there's like a lot of armor there. You can't criticize that, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of speaking for him. Let me throw him in, throw him in into the mix. That way, you can't get mad. It has nothing to do with race because just oh, there's, just, you know, the guy that kills is black, so it would have been bad if it was three white or one really light-skinned Latino and two white people killing a homeless black man, that's bad. But if let's just make this character black, then we can kind of get away with this blind bullshit race. There's, there's all types of issues with that. And also, like, in, in South America, there are different, you know, color gradations. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. And it's an issue there, too. Yeah. It but might be. It, it, it's it turns different. Out, but race sh- on other places, it's... Wherever you go, people are terrible. Yeah. And you're either a... A, 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 blunt, a, a star bellied sneech, or you have no star in your belly, and you either. It's a Dr. Seuss reference. I didn't get that. But well, the, 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 the first part I do, everywhere you go in the world. Just like people are. Like, they're, you know, I'm always surprised by people's kindness, and I'm always saddened by when people are terrible. Um, I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. No, I know. We're, we're, we're past 20 minutes. Just All right, so. That movie. But yeah, it, it comes at night. Um. My only issue with it comes at night, and I tweeted about this. And I what's just the said, basic basic premise? There is a weird uh, epidemic, unexplained from beginning, middle, and you don't know where it came from. But there's an is epidemic. this related to it follows? No, it just is a horror it's movie that horror starts movie with the night. It comes at night. Yeah, um, there's an epidemic that is wiping out mankind, and apparently this guy who was just a history teacher, he saw this coming, so he kind of has this like really prepared cabin in the woods. For him, his wife, his son, and their dog. And uh, the movie starts with uh, their grandfather was was with them too, and he got the virus and he got sick. And the whole idea is just to stay away from people. And what happens is uh, somehow another family comes across their land and they take them in. And slowly there's this trust that starts to get lost between these two families. And then there's this whole crazy climax. But my issue is... Realistically speaking, when supplies are down and you can, you know, barely kind of support your own family, you're not going to take another family in. Now, I am leaving out the part that the family they take in does have some livestock, so they kind of pool their resources together and they form this, like, kind of family, but I just feel like at that point, unless it's not your immediate family, it's like you're on your own. Like, it's it's about, it's not about taking someone else in because that's, like, less resources for you now. Um... Did you like it? Kind of. Only because over the last few years, I've become a real big Joel Edgerton fan. 
Like a really yeah. big Joel yeah, Edgerton. Yeah, you're, you're a Joel Edgerton guy. I watched last yesterday when I was cleaning the house. I had, for the second time, I watched The Gift again, which is such a great movie. And I think it's easy to criticize that movie and say that it copied Old Boy. But I think what The Gift did that Old Boy didn't do is that it really hammers home the bullying part and how bullying can, and sometimes, depending on how sadistic you are as a teenager, can come back to haunt you. <clears throat> Because that's what it's about, and I do love that. You wouldn't know that. I love telling people who haven't seen The Gift that, yeah, it's a psychological thriller and creepy stuff happens in it, but ultimately, that movie is about bullying and how even if you are bullied, you can be 40 years old, but like if some messed up, sadistic shit happened to you, that stays with you. That's it's the, not, it doesn't just go oh, away the over gift, time. Yeah. The Gift. That's oh, not the Sam Raimi The Gift. The Gift is, is a movie that came out two years ago. Oh, he directed it. Joel Edgerton directed it. I, that movie fucked me up. Yeah, and I thought his performance in it was good because you can that, tell he's his, such a he's such a tortured guy. He's his, trying to keep it together, his, but he's he's not all there because of the torment that he faced. His his performance made me like question if he's like a good person. That's wow. how that because well yeah, he right, yeah. he wrote and directed this film yeah, yeah, where yeah. the character he plays does Gordo. some does some well maybe yeah. does some messed up stuff. Do you think he did? Did what? Oh, with the... Uh, whatever. This movie's been out for two years. So we can talk about it. So there's this crux where... Uh, um, uh, Rusted Development guy. Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman. Uh, Jason Bateman's wife might have gotten pregnant by Joe Edgerton while she had, was passed out. And I think... Um, I don't want to give this answer, but it's like... It doesn't matter at that point because he's already fucked him up. It doesn't matter. To... to, to to have a woman passed out over you and to imply you're going to impregnate her, you've already crossed this path. You've already crossed this barrier that, 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 and, and there's no going back. So it's, I don't think that part matters. And I know that's such a cop-out thing to say. I just think... And I, and I almost... They, 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 there is a moral thing. I don't even think Joe Legerton wants you to be like, you know what, this guy was... He was almost killed. Bullying almost got him killed. So it's okay to feel for him, and it's okay to like root for him. You're not supposed to root for him. No, you you, thing, you 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 know? feel for him up until towards you yes. feel you feel yes. for you don't root yeah. for him. Yeah, but you feel sympathy for him for about two thirds of the film. Yeah, and I feel no sympathy for Jason Bateman even by the end. What's interesting—that's that, the beautiful thing. As that movie unravels, it's like, oh, you're an asshole, and then you find out he's always been an asshole. Yeah. Well, what's funny is his character. What's the name of the film? With uh, Kevin Hart and The Rock. Oh shit! Um, yeah, something. Not. I, I want to say Observe and Report, but it's no. It's Observe like, and Report it, it, is it, the mall cop movie. It's the buddy It's cop our second movie. favorite mall cop movie. Yes. Hold on. You, you keep talking, and then I'll find it because I want to know the name of it. Because because in that movie, there's also this crux that The Rock's character was brutally bullied by oh, Jason yeah, Bateman. Oh yeah, because he was like, overweight. Because um, he was overweight, yeah. and his main bully was Jason Bateman. Oh, I didn't know that because I, I didn't see it. So wow. in my mind, that character is the same person. Oh, shit. That's funny. But Which makes sense because it, cause that's the other thing, too. Joel Edgerton's character, you know, Gordo, um, Central Intelligence, by the way, is the movie. Which I, so, I just want to tell you that um, I, I double featured that and Neon Demon. That sounds that sounds fun. That's the kind of person I am. That sounds fun. That that's the kind of that's the kind of podcast this is. Neon Demon and Rock Kevin Hart movies. But I, but I was saying with Jason Bateman, you get the sense that 
Joel Edgerton wasn't his only victim in high school. He was just king shit in high school and probably fucked with a lot of people. So I like that theory. I wish, I wish for that reason that you wrote more because you could write in, like instead of a, an, an analytical review of, of that movie, you could write a fan fiction crossover review when, where it's like you can connect Central Intelligence to the gift by saying Jason Bateman's character was. If you know, if you'll allow me, mm-hmm. when 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 the decade is over, I would like to write a movies of the decade article for your website. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and when I'm done you with... you want it to be a separate? Because I usually have guest people. I have people do their own lists. If you... Then you I want would, it to be a separate one? Because I'm, 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 I'm fine either way. Whatever I'm happy to be a guest. Okay. Um, right. And when when I... I do want to write stuff. I have the I have the goings on an, on an article about... Um, I have the ideas in my head for an article about... Uh, Hal Ashby being like the American director, not necessarily the one that we deserve, but the one that we got. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have to, mm. and I have the goings on. But I can't really do that until I'm done with school, because all sure. all of my basic writing needs to be about psychology. Absolutely. But I I do want to I do like these ideas, okay. and that's a movie I do need to watch. And I think wow, I never thought about. Yeah, it is. Well, that. That's the thing. They should have never made a American remake of Old Boy because that movie, yeah. because the movie, what's the name we just talked about? The Gift. The Gift yeah. is, that's how you translate. It is. Yeah, it is. And the thing that people are so literal minded that they think that they like things have to be in a facsimile. So, yeah, Joel Edgerton is a terrific actor. Yeah, he is. Not necessarily in a bunch of movies I like, but for him, he's him as a person. And there's plenty of actors. Look at Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon's a guy who, he's in a lot of stuff I don't like, but I love Michael Shannon. Yeah. And I like that, you know, what brings us, that connection is now Joel Edgerton and Michael Shannon have started to collaborate a couple of times. They've been in a few already. movies together. So, yeah. so, here's my question. So, he, he was in It Comes at Night? Yes. Did you like 10 Cloverfield Lane? You know, it's been over a year. I still don't know. And at least that doesn't mean no. But I, I, I don't know. I think my only criticism about that movie is the last, like, 20 minutes was like, oh, yeah, right, there's some aliens and they're going to try to kill you. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Whereas, like, the whole other, like, hour and 10 minutes was this whole cool, like, these three people, this bunker, when John Goodman just, without blinking, killed, kills this guy, all this stuff. And she finally gets out of the house, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's, like, Clover, not Cloverfield, but not Cloverfield aliens, you know, all this time, too. I liked that, but I also liked the first part better. Like, I remember when I was a little kid and I rented Dust Till Dawn on VHS cassette. Because, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't, I couldn't watch that movie in the theater. I was just a little too young. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this is two different movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a getaway kind of prison break movie. Yeah. And then, oh shit, vampires. I I think for the, the camp of that film, like I think the sequels are more fun. I've never... I haven't seen any of them. I've they're seen, fun. They're yeah, fun, dude. Yeah. They're like, you know, they, they, take, they take it all to a natural X level mm-hmm. that I think that movie sh- those movies should be doing. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like... You know, we talk about Mint and Marimino. Like, I like I liked both of those Grindhouse movies. Sure. Or like them enough. 
I like uh, Planet Terror a lot more. I'm not just saying that because of my issues with uh, him. I just feel like Planet Terror, it's such a fun... I feel like if Death Proof was first and it ended on Planet Terror, I would have liked the movie overall better. Yeah. Because to end on just essentially, it's like it's like walking away from like an exploding you know thing. Planet Terror was so much... It was just fun. Yeah, also like, again, my issue is like, you know, Minton Marinino's like... His boner for boner for violence women, against women, women specifically. Specifically, yeah. I yeah. what I liked was how cool Kurt Russell was and his car, yeah. and when the girls fuck him up in the end. Yeah. But the first half just really upset me. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, as I do often, I was looking through Lexi Alexander's excellent Twitter feed, excellent, legendary, legendary, legendary Twitter feed. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what she thinks about the movie Entertainment. I don't think she thinks about it, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Right. Who knows? Um, she's she's an incredible culture critic, and she was trying to understand how Minton Marinino was allowed to exist and how no one cares about his blatant racism or violence against women or sexual violence. Sure. And then someone, like, um, earnestly said... Aside from Pulp Fiction, where there, what films have sexual violence? Jesus Christ! It really? And it's like all of them. Yeah. What? Like yeah. The better question is which don't. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir That's Dogs. There's like, no women in it. There, yeah, I'm sure if there were. Oh, and, I take it back. You hear about it? He, right. He killed Michael Matt. Well, he killed a bunch of people. Michael Madsen killed uh, a little, a, a young mother. Yeah. With a, with a baby, apparently. Because that was that whole conversation. How old do you think that? Think, think that girl was so never mind Go yeah ahead. and like and then he was like oh where did it happen in hateful eight and was like oh uh they just uh, used oh, i finally got around to seeing that they just used jennifer jason lee as a goddamn punching bag well i was actually saying sexual violence uh samuel jackson's character forces fellatio on um um yeah. the that cowboy yeah. dude yeah, 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 yeah that was a that was a waste of a lot of expensive film yeah expensive <sighs> awesome 35 millimeter pure whatever let me not get into that no the film uh, looked great sure. that's about it sure. the, 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 the the opening sequence with Ennio Morricone movie mm-hmm. Ennio Morricone doing some great music in this in the snow yeah that was really cool um, but so it's just like yeah why why and then like someone brought up like that you know Joss Whedon does a lot of that stuff too and I was like huh I never thought about that either um, so I don't know why we brought up brought this, why this came to there, but we just well, that's how it is. I mean, we know that we this started at it comes at night, but we just kind of uh, worked our way towards uh, towards this stuff. Um, oh, dust till dawn, blah blah blah. Um, yeah, I just I yeah, I just wish like we need to. I'm just tired of like so at the beginning of this this podcast like a few episodes ago I told you about how much I liked Into the Badlands yes but like the season finale for season two like just really like did some what in the comic books world is called women women in refrigerator syndrome mm-hmm. so in the 90s in the in the green in Green Lantern there was an episode there was an issue where like to move the plot forward um Green Lantern comes into his house and finds his girlfriend chopped up in a refrigerator. Wow. And so Gail Simone, who's a who's a comic book writer who who's written like some of the best like Wonder Woman and um, Birds of Prey comic books, coined the term 
women in refrigerators and it's just like this um, using the pain of women simply as a plot point sure so it happens a lot did you ever ever watch Dexter yeah the whole that's the whole the season finale season three I believe when he comes home and he finds his wife all yeah it was the season finale season three where she's all cut up uh, in the house yeah. And then that just sets him off, you know, for season four. That's his motivation. Well, so it's and it's always about like to to see the lens of of suffering through the male lens, and then like so the, I'm kind of I'm I will watch the first episode of the next season of of Into the Badlands, but I was so upset at the way they handled the the end of this, and it was it really to me was mm. was some unnecessary women in refrigerator shit, oh. and. And also, like, a forced, like, lone wolf and cub, cub trope, which mm-hmm. is, like, really, you're going to do lone wolf and cub on, like, the the martial arts movie? Yeah, it's like... It's Television show? It's like, yeah. come on. You guys yeah. were like, you it's were low, the chosen one! It's low-hanging fruit. Yeah. So, so, so but, but this transitions very well. You made me see this movie, Cachet. Yeah. And... Let's, let's talk about it, which is a film, I think, one of the, the best movies in a very long time. Uh, long, long time. One of the best films of, yeah, I think it's masterful. So talk about a movie that uses the lens of suffering through white privilege. Okay, here's um, suffering through white privilege, and it's funny because it's in a way you could say this ties into goddamn nasty baby. But yes, I was waiting because I, yeah, I've been, I was because I think because we though, still haven't talked about Wonder Woman. Here's the thing where, and this I tried to explain to a couple of people. Um, that movie couldn't have existed the other way. My, my opinion, Michael Haneke did more than his best. And I think the whole suffering, this suffering that happened in this movie wasn't the kind of suffering where like, oh, he's suffering. He knows he made a bad mistake. So, you know what? We all learn. No, it's like when that movie... And I, first of all, let me just be clear. Did you keep watching the movie as the credits roll? Okay. Let's wait. Let's wait okay. to get there. But basically what I'm getting at is the movie does not end with like, you know what, he suffered, he saw the error of his ways, everything's going to be alright. No, it's like it's it's torturous, and no, he's still going to be tortured after the movie goes on, and that's what I like. I understand the whole suffering, white privilege thing, but it's not, it's like, he's still going to, he's still going to be suffering, and it's going to be ongoing, kind of as he should, or depending on your personality, because basically, he did something when he was a little kid, so it's kind of like, do you blame him for that, because he was very little... Well, or like to, to go back to the Patrick Bateman movie we were just talking. Jason Bateman. Patrick mm-hmm. Bateman is the Jason Bateman. Patrick Bateman is the character. Patrick, in, ba- Patrick Bateman is uh, he's America, a guy who, he's would, who would cut women up in refrigerators. Who would cut literally. women up in refrigerators? Yeah. Um, Jason. What was the Jason Bateman yeah. Joel Edgerton movie? The Gift. So, like, if the character in Cachet was just a little bit older, maybe you know the Gift and Cachet. Have similarities? Oh, a thousand percent. Just like getting videotapes and stuff left on your doorstep, so, which goes back to Lost Highway. Sure, also, but yeah, yeah. But Lost Lost Highway, less connected. I know you like to connect yeah. those movies. Love Lost Highway. I, I like parts of Lost Highway. Fun. Fun. I, 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 you know. I do. I love. I loved the soundtrack. 
Here's here's ultimately just well. First of all, let's perfect just back up drug. For a perfect drug was Lost Nine Highway. Oh yeah. yeah, Chuck Lesnar did the original score. But let me just say, all the, for the if you haven't seen it, Cache is a film about this kind of upper middle class family who's being disrupted. They're getting anonymous uh, tapes left on the doorstep, and the tapes are just of someone filming their house. Well, they start off that way. They start off that way, and then they, and then and then they get sent po- creepy, cryptic postcards with bloody drawings. It just gets worse and worse, and then finally a clue happens, and the husband of this family is like, "Oh, I know what's going on," but right away he doesn't want to tell his wife, and just things kind of escalate. But to me, it is a film. It, not to me, I'm sorry. It is a film about race and racism from a European perspective because it and ties the, back the, to the, this Algeri- to the Algerian-French relationship. That, can, that, that, that is only a French-Algerian story. And the remorseless use of others. Yes, yes. I yes. think because the main character is so remorseless, it just left me with a bad taste. Yes, it was filmed very well. It was acted beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Michael Haneke necessarily did anything wrong. Yeah. I don't think he did a bad thing. He's never done a bad thing, if we're talking about movies, but go on. Uh, sure. Um, I don't I don't love him as, as you do. Yeah. Well, I don't love him. I like him. Sure. Um, I just wonder how important these movies are. To me, I think what's so great about one, there's many things, and you name most of them, but the most important thing about race in that movie is that it is race, it's a movie about race that's made from an Austrian who's now making French films, and the cast is all French. It's all white people, right? And I just think that had Michael Haneke made this story from the character of Majid's perspective, that would have pissed me off, because it's like, you're an Austrian, you're an up, oh, you're a rich he, he had, Austrian. He had, he and had, it's like what you don't know about his life. Instead, he does give that character respect. Where we see so, it, instead, like when he leave, when they finally confront, he leaves, and you see the scene of him crying in his home. That's what's important. And I think a lot of other filmmakers would have left that part out. Yeah, no, I. What I would have liked, granted, this isn't in, isn't in Michael Haneke's interest, or not this kind of story he's trying to tell. Mm-hmm. What if? What if there was remorse? What if, like, he saw that this person was deeply hurting? He could have seen the video of this man crying yeah. and felt something. So if you haven't watched the movie, I'm surprised you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. But, so, basically, he, he believes that the videos are being sent to him from... He had, like, there was a, a caretaker's child. The caretakers were, were killed, yeah. and they took him in. The, the caretaker's child and then he manipulated Majid the caretaker's yeah. child yeah. into killing their pet chicken so he could get him kicked out and then sent that, well, that, the that was the kicker it was systematic he explains it was a series of things and the chicken was the was the thing but before that there were other little things sure like, he was lying saying oh he's coughing up blood he's sick um, and then another it was like three things and, and the chicken was like the kicker that, that was the like so and I think also one thing that upset me, but I don't think like this is this is for a much larger conversation, was like how they definitely killed a chicken for the scene. That that that's a European thing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you seen this? Have you seen the film Tuki Buki? Of course. Um, there's a lot of yeah. animal slaughter yeah. in that movie, yeah. and it's tough. Yes. Uh, John C. Riley was supposed to be in uh, Mandalay. 
but yeah. he there was a donkey who was killed for the movie, and John C. Riley walked off set, and he's like, "I'm not, I can't fuck with this." And he, yeah. yeah, I and I so, or like um, during the making of Korean Old Boy, mm-hmm. which I shouldn't have to say, just Old Boy, yeah, the making old of Old Boy. boy. Yeah. The main actor is a Buddhist. And he had to film the scene of the live squid, oh, yeah, right, right, live right, octopus, right, right, right. like six times, and it was very difficult for him. And like every time, he had to stop to take a prayer and like thank this, per- thank the. Wow. So it's definitely a non-American thing because there are plenty of reasons why we can't kill animals yeah. in films. But um, I want to bookmark Tuki Buki for a, a further conversation. Oh, let's do it because I have, I have, I have so many questions. Not necessarily just about that movie, but about influence and um, region-based genres. Mm-hmm. To give you a little taste of my thoughts. Okay. But, so like, they really killed that chicken in that movie. Yeah. And it bugged me out, because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it. I think really the reason why you like Cachet is because it has the same ending as Fear X. Huh. Why would you say it has the same ending? That's... Because in in the credits it has this like secret. oh yeah duh wow yeah 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 how did you not catch that yeah, Marcus Jesus I'm an idiot um go okay let's just for a second because I want to go back to that because I like that you said that <clears throat> what I was saying, trying to say before is I just think ultimately conversations about race and racism can and need to happen if it's all white people and I think. And, and I'm going to relate this to Bam, to a scene in Bamboozled. I think that I've never been there because if I was there, then it wouldn't be an all-white conversation. But I feel like that white people, some, not all, but a lot of white people, when it's just them, are afraid to talk about race bluntly, real. All they want to do is tiptoe around it. And, and I think that that's a big part of what Michael Haneke was doing with that film. I think it's... I think Because he, he can't make it about... You can only take you know, my word for it, but up? these are conversations that I that I try to have. Okay, in, in I, my, I believe and, it. Um, but I think you're an exception to a lot of stuff, so... And and it makes some people upset, and it makes some people... Some people are, you know... Some people aren't... Some people believe... Well, I just feel like when you're the one, and that being not you, but like when it's white people in this country who are the one with most of the power... You, you you have to be up on everything and you have to know when things are unjust. You have to know that things are messed up. So you got to be able to have a conversation without a black person around to okay it. And I, I, will, saying, I will oh, say this. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No. I think, you know, me and him too many in text messages have been talking about like how maybe the remake isn't always a bad thing because like Cache could be an American remake. They were going to. That could be done well if done thoughtfully and done with the right director and right screenwriter. I was going to say, it was going to be directed by Ron Howard and it was going to be starring Annette Benning and Russell Crowe. Yeah, that would that's so, not the movie I was talking about. Yeah, but it, for for a, it got bought in 2000 yeah, cuz I found this news this is when I came back from Coachella in 2008. So for a good year, that movie was being it was being it got canned. It's not going to happen now. Yeah, cuz so, so that's good. that's but, not that's not what I was talking yeah, about. But it, it, no, it was real. It was very real. Who, direct, like, who directed Half Nelson? Um Ryan Feck. He's the same guy that did um, Sugar, the the Dominican baseball movie. And what's the movie where uh, Zach Galifianakis is in the in uh, mental in- institute with the young guy? I forgot the name of it, but yeah, it's yeah. a funny story. Yeah, it's a it's funny not story. it's not a funny it's story a because funny. the the writer the person who that book the book that that movie was based off of mm-hmm. uh, was like someone I grew up around, 
and oh. uh, and um, he took his life. Oh man! So it, and that that book was semi autobiographical, oh, and it, it is sad because it takes away some of it. It takes away some of the hopefulness for some, but it shouldn't yeah. because a lot of people that go through um, suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. end up not committing suicide, mm. but but sometimes they do, and. Uh, so it shouldn't deter you. That movie is fun. So I think Ryan Feck is someone who I could think could could make a remake of Cache. That's such a random. I mean, okay, strange. Not the only. Not the only person that I'm thinking. I'm not thinking about anybody to remake that movie. I'm, I'm stopping myself because I just I don't want it remade. I, I I think it's important. I think I do think like it because you're because you're you're selling me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because because yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a rigid person. Sure. Oh, I, I, before I forget this point, what I was saying is a lot of the the what cachet is reminds me of one of the most important scenes in Bamboozled that always kind of gets grazed over. The scene in Bamboozled. The when, movie when, Bamboozled when they, gets grazed yeah. over. When they, the scene in Bamboozled when they're under underrated the, the, film. It's great. It's one of Spike Lee's last great things. But the scene when they're filming the pilot. Yeah. There's a scene where they have the the uh, applause sign and. The no one laugh for a split second. No one laugh, and then the black people start slowly laughing, and then the camera pans to all these white people looking at the black people, and then they make these gestures like, "Oh, all right, I guess it's okay to clap and laugh." Where it's like to me, it's like have your own in those situations, like if it, like when it comes to race, have your own backbone. And if something, if you had to look around and try to get validation for something, then you probably shouldn't have been laughing in the first place. And I think that's a big part of cachet, where it's like. White people have this conversation, and, and, and let me just, I don't want to dismiss either you or Ntume or anyone who has those, because you're not the only people that have the issues where it's like, oh, this poor suffering guy, oh, white privilege, oh, how bad it is. I see how, the, especially, it all comes to a head when he comes home, he's by, his, he's by, he's alone, and he starts crying. I get how that scene can be seen as like, oh, it's supposed to be sympathetic for him, like, he's, he's free, and he goes into the bed, he takes off his robe, and he's naked, and it's like this history of violence moment where he's like all right i'm now clean i'm naked now i'm, I'm gonna be i'm gonna take this nap and when i wake up it's gonna be over and it's gonna be like a new birth which by the way that is a very tense scene because you keep thinking something someone or something's gonna come out and get him but what's it, it's hard for me to disassociate the whole world of michael haneke and haneke is a very cold and this is all fine i'm not trying to criticize him he's a cold unforgiving guy so there's no way that's absolutely true so there's no way that is he going to give this guy a pass? I think well, the blood the blood is on is, is so, in a way at least Haneke is saying the blood is on his hands, and I also feel like the way that movie ends, it's not over. What's your what's your what's your interpretation of the final scene? I think that because this movie came yeah, out in two thousand and six, two thousand five, two thousand five. Yeah. So I think it's fair that most people that are listening, yeah, absolutely. I think so. For those who don't know, as it turns out, well, you know what we don't know. We are heavily led to believe. Kinda that Majid's son is the one orchestrating all of this, and the movie ends with Majid's son meeting um, the main character, the the white French guy's son at school, and and just the body language, especially the way Majid towards the end, Majid is looking around, and then like they kind of break. I feel that it's not even the two sons conspiring. I feel at the end, Majid is the pup, Majid's son is the puppet master. He knows what happens to his dad, and he feels upset about it. So he finds a way to manipulate this young boy, which is probably easy, and he gets him to do things to, you know. But at the end of the day, I think Majid's son is the, the, the one orchestrating all of this. 
who do you think wrote um, Bill Murray the letter in Broken Flowers? Hmm. I go. You know what? For a while, I had this theory that it was Julie Delpy because she was leaving, and then I also I'm, I'm we're also led led to believe that um, yeah, because she's leaving him. And she's the one at the beginning of the movie. She's kind of lecturing him about himself. She clearly loves him and wants to be with him, but it's just like you're a kid. You don't know. So I think she sent him on this mission to kind of like see, you know, like to, to kind of test him in a way. I you know, but that's that was like for the first few years. After that, I I, I don't know, you know that that ending's very cryptic because yeah. I don't think it's a mistake that they cast Bill Murray's actual son who looks very much like him to kind of drive by in slow-mo and they make this eye contact and it's kind of like why would Bill Murray's son just so happen to be in town when uh, you know during all of this so it was either Julie Delpy's character to see if she could get him to grow or it was or it was his actual son who I believe was the character played by Bill Murray's son and it's the way the whole scene is executed it's like he's driving around looking for him and then it's like oh sh- oh shit is that my dad like and it's this slow motion moment and then they just kind of keep going so it was one of the two i think what about you who do you think wrote it who well you, you never t- told me who you thought wrote the letter no i said it's either julie delpy or uh bill murray's son his actual son who we do see at the very end so of the movie. you think bill murray's son wrote the letter not the as acting as the mother yes 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 and who do you think is the mother Thing. I think probably the last woman he visited. Yeah. Oh, played by Tilda Swinton. Only because the, her reaction is, you know, and he gets fucked up. Yeah. By 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 a fellow indie filmmaker Larry Fessenden, he he clocks him. Yeah. Well, no, I I knew that I knew that that the last guy he sees is was his own son. Yeah. And I don't think that he would do that for no reason. Yeah. Exactly. The reason why I bring them up because both of those movies kind of use these these MacGuffins to yeah, get you yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I using MacGuffin correctly? I think no, I, I, or I don't know, but I just like how you said it. So go ahead. I feel you know, like you know, things things that start off something but don't necessarily because we never know. You have an idea who is sending the the, the videos in cachet, but. <laughs> You don't. It's never really revealed, though. I do. Th- you know. I think it's either Majid, son, and he's gonna start fucking with the the other son, or Majid and the other son did it together. Yeah, but even when, like I say, even though they did it together, it was still initiated by Majid's son. And I think they could have met. Like, all right, here, here's another tape. So when you get home. Before you get in the house, leave this tape on, on your doorstep. And I think he got him that way. Here, here's another thing we're not talking about. He got him to... Majid's son got the other son to go along with him because he planted this... Clearly planted this idea that his mother was cheating. Yeah. There's that whole weird, quick little plot there. And that made him upset. And that made him want to mess with his mess with his, 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 his family. So... Yeah. And the, I mean, that child was also just like... Upset. He was an angry. Yeah, yeah. He was an angry old, kid. Eleven, twelve-year-old kid who's just upset. He was just being a little shit. Yeah. Upsetting your mom. In his super upper-class privileged life. Uh, yeah, I mean great, to quote M&M posters on his to wall. quote Cray, um, even babies of billionaires uh, kill themselves. Yeah. So. Um, Beginning of uh, the game. Yeah. That's a great scene. You have this. Uh, 
super rich guy who owns a mansion and he you know takes his own life David Fincher yeah yeah played by Michael Douglas's brother which is great just for the so it looks like him that's, that's also like a one of his slept on films I think now it's finally like it got released on Criterion which totally threw I was like oh sh- really because I know Criterion Armaged- put out Armaged- other David Armaged- Fincher Armageddon movies Armageddon <clears throat> got released on Criterion I know we've talked about this that's before. true I said, like I always said they gotta keep the lights on you got especially you know. especially back then. So, so the rock and Armageddon. We 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 probably don't have time today, but we never discussed the homework I gave you. I gave you two homeworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's get lost in Wanda. Yeah, you've see, seen. Yeah. you've seen. Let's get lost. Yes. Have I, you seen Wanda? Yes. Now I, I also. I don't want to condense it in these last. You know. No, no, I'm not saying. Minutes. Yeah. Okay. I also want you to see Bye Bye Monkey. Um, going in the phone right now. I, so I, I, I emailed it to you, the WeTransfer file, but it probably uh, expired. Yeah. Yes. Um, it it's a 1978 film by Marco Ferreri. Yeah. And okay. I, I really want to talk about it on the show. Okay. And I don't want it to be a condensed thing. I also can use some homework. Okay. Um, how, how versed in Haneke's world are you? What, what I've, see, I've seen most of his movies. Oh, okay. Seven Continent? I haven't seen that one. Oh, there you go. That's his first feature film. Okay, and, and also... we're at my house right now, so if you want to take the DVD, you're more than welcome to. No doubt, I will. I know, I saw a note from an episode that's going to be released a week after this one's released that says Shirley Clark Roberts Coleman. What does that mean? Uh, well, okay, oh, talking about the, the Thunderbird episode. I made a comment about how... This could be it, because I remember saying this, how Shirley Clark gets credited... For um, oh no, it's a film she made. I think that this is something Chris said. She made a movie called. She might have made a movie about, or I think just Google that. But yeah, okay. Chris recommended a movie of hers. Or could it just? I was gonna say she gets credited for starting the black film movement, which I said oh, I, right. I think that's false. And she's um, she's not a black. No, she's not. Yeah, black person. But a lot because I, I, I can't I, I can't end the sentence. She's not a black. She's not a black. That's not a that's not an acceptable sentence for me to say. That sounds like um. Like in those angry apartheid racist movies, like the villain is like you're a black. Like that sounds like something. That um, say. So when I used to work in the bartending world, I remember I had two different um, cooks that would work with me who were who were um, Mexican, and they would both when they would find out I was Jewish, they'd be like, "I didn't know that you are the Jewish." Wow. <laughs> I was like, "I I am of the Jewish. Yes, it's I true. I am of the Jewish." That's, that's that's absolutely funny. true. How are we on time? Where are we at right uh, now? We're almost at an hour. So, uh, what do you think about Wonder Woman, and how do you think it compares to the film Wanda? And do you think Wonder Woman is a logical end to the uh, the questions asked by Wanda by Barbara Loden forty years no. ago? No. Do you think there? Yeah, do you think me, you can relate the two? Am I asking I, too many questions? Because I'm put on the spot. Sorry. With Wonder Woman, my thing is here. Here, here's the thing. What about Wanda the, Woman? Wanda Woman. That's how um, Carol Kane would say it. Um, so, um, with Wonder Woman, like just about any superhero film, I could find flaws. I could pick at it. But this, what, what, what got at my heart, and I'm a sucker for this stuff because half my life, <clears throat> I've been a camp counselor for little kids, and I've just been around little, you know, kids a, a lot of my life. I know that's when you're a big man. That's weird to say, but it is what it is. Um, when I walked out of that movie theater, I saw little girls, Asian, white, black, all, you know, three different races, 
mimicking the fight moves that Wonder Woman was doing. Yeah. And that, right, I was like, you know what, then the first, that's it. The that, fr- that is it. I don't care about yeah. how, how, I'm going to say it, how flat Gail Godot is as an actress. I mean, she kind of puts me to sleep. She, it, it's a, it's very like, huh, yeah, but Aries. But at the end of the day, that movie served its purpose because little girls felt like to, I, I've, I've, rarely do I see little girls coming out of a movie like that. But the whole idea of like a girl going like, yeah, punch, kick, ah, I like that. Yeah, I really like that. I, I believe in like films as transformative tools, right? Mm-hmm. And that movie also. Aside from the fact that I just liked the movie, I do think, like, I was talking to a friend, like, the last 20 minutes felt like a different movie, but that is, I think it was. Yeah. It was, like, set up for, for Justice League. Yeah. But when, at the beginning of the movie, where that, that actress, the little actress who plays young Wonder yeah. Woman is practicing the moves, mm-hmm. I got tears. And yeah, like, and, oh yeah, and, right, that happens in the fucking movie. In the movie. Yes. Yeah, so and then, they, and oh, then yeah, also, yeah. I saw it at Alpine, which is, like, in your neighborhood, sort of. Yeah. And I was walking out, and there were kids, like, yeah, practicing the moves. Yeah. And it's just, like, exciting, and I just wish, like, all the stupid, angry bro flakes who got so upset at Alamo Draft House for doing the women's views. Right. Viewings. Women yeah. and girls viewings. Yeah. To be like, just try to understand, like, for a second, why it might be nice for some people to just feel a little bit comfortable. Sure. And let's also not forget... How the Alamo Draft House doubled down. I, I, I'm giving I, it tweet of the year so far. I mean, yes. We're in June where Alamo Draft House goes, you know, men, we listened and we heard your complaints. And because of that, we're going to add another uh, a female only screening. Yeah. A uh, second female. I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I, I you know me, I don't really like supper movie theaters. Yeah. But like. Alamo Draft House has got has had a li- now has a lifetime fan in me because yeah. they responded right and also they're they're uh, they believe that the film I scored Newlyweeds directed by Shaka King mm-hmm. is of cultural importance and they're reshowing it this month. Are they? Yeah. Oh, that's great! I want to see it. They're when? Do you know when? Oh, let me look. Unless it's Nighthawks, then I feel really bad because it's two different things. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me check I my... I prefer the Alamo. Also me. Well, you know, because Because I already saw Newly Weeds in, in film form, so no disrespect. It's, it's, it's history. I'd like to see a movie... I'd like to see Newly Weeds in like a nice kind of bigger, more spacious... No, Alamo. Theater. Alamo. That's great. I'm, I, if, if I have the time to see it, I'm going to uh, see it. 621. I should be around. I'll be around. I want to go see it. Yeah, I mean, the, the only reason I'm not going to go see it is because... This is going to sound weird. I don't... If I go see it, that's one person who may never had seen the movie, mm-hmm. not able to sit at the theater and see it. That's awesome. Because okay. I've seen the movie a gazillion times because I, I scored it. Yeah. <coughs> and I, not because I scored it, but because it's made by like one of my closest friends. I do think it's a film of import because, and I just wish more people would see it. It didn't get. It, I believe that it was underserved in its theater run, theatrical run, but yeah. it is what it is. I was happy to see it play at a theater like Film Form, though. Yeah, film, I, film yeah. Form is our Film Form is a great place. I'm always happy to to premiere movies there, and I'm not I'm not complaining. You know, all the films I've scored have premiered at great places and have done well. And yeah, they have. Bam, Film Form. Yeah, I'm uh, doing. Um, uh, you know, Mono Susi has premiered in New York 
um, Tribeca Film Festival. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm blessed. And the next two full lengths in my pipeline are really excited. Great. Um, and maybe, you know, I definitely tweeted at Kyle Reardon about hollering at me about scoring yeah. his movie. Kyle. I'm waiting for your fucking emails, Kyle. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Kyle. Um, I will say what I liked about his Kickstarter and what I think every other film's Kickstarter should think about is having reasonable, um, uh, cool stuff at the prize levels. Mm-hmm. A, a friend of mine, so like, I think, like, I usually am like, if I can get a T-shirt or a digital copy of a movie for under forty bucks, that's usually what I'll do for a Kickstarter. You know, mm-hmm. and at the very least, a digital copy. But for twenty bucks, I want a digital copy. Yeah, yeah. I'm just being I'm just being honest. But like, uh, it's the price of a Blu-ray or a DVD. Yeah, and I'm willing to pay a little more because you're doing like a a patronage yeah. thing. Like yes. when you were a kid and you yes. watched Channel Thirteen and you pay like fifty bucks for a cassette. Yeah. But you were but you were supporting PBS, so I think there should be a premium. But like when it's like a hundred bucks gets you a T-shirt, I'm like, come on, yeah. Because 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 you got me. I'm, I'll prob I will probably kickstart most people's that I know's movie stuff. But I'm really excited if I get a T-shirt out of it. Awesome. Um, speaking of like friends of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Wrong Reel last week had an episode about G.I. Joe. Yeah. That was awesome. Yes, shout out to both James, uh, who, you know, essentially was one of the other, you know, kind of catalysts behind this podcast starting, and Bill Scurry, who's a big uh, big fan and, and supporter of this show. The, the second to last time I saw him was at the Alamo Draft House, and he pulls out his phone and shows, you know, that he had uh, Zebras in America, that he was listening to it. Yeah, he... So. he he started, you know, a few a few weeks ago. We got a lot of guff for suggesting Tarkovsky would like a turnip. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. That was yeah. funny to me. That was a good conversation. Yeah, and I, I really I really loved the GI Joe thing because I love, I, I'm, I'm fascinated and love passion. Mm-hmm. Like one time when I was when I had the flu, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've said this in the podcast. But, like, I actually watched a fucking four-and-a-half-hour documentary about Super Smash Brothers players. Wow. Because it was fascinating. Yeah. And I don't know anything about Super... I mean, I do now. (laughs) Yeah. I can tell you a lot about the tiers and which which characters you want to play in Super Smash Brothers. But, you know me, I don't really care for documentaries. Yes. Yes. And I don't want to watch one for four-and-a-half hours. Sure. But I I was... The passion... Of the directors and yeah. the people caught me, so I do love the Larry Hama run uh, on Marvel Comics of GI Joe, mm-hmm. and I just really enjoyed the candor. I do wish the GI Joe movies were good. God, yeah, Cobra Commander was such an iconic character to kind of be butchered to shit by. I'm not gonna say by Joseph Gordon-Levitt because it it's wasn't not, his movie. It's not his fault. It's yeah. not his fault. But overall, yeah, that, that movie was not good. I'm saying, though, he does he does end up playing a lot of characters that are iconic and that are not movies where you're not crazy. Like, he played Edward Snowden in a movie that wasn't too great. And he did that movie about walking across mm-hmm. the Twin Towers. Yes. You also know what other iconic person he played in a movie that I don't like. Robin? Yes. I liked his portrayal yeah. of Robin. Yes. Now, and before we... 
Sometime, you know, we got to get to Freddy Got Fingered first, but we are going to tackle um, Dark Knight Rises because uh, I don't think as much we... as it for a movie that I don't like, I have a lot to say about it, and I, I don't think it would be because we're coming up on at this point. It's like it could be like a five year anniversary show of Dark Knight Rises. It was it came out in two thousand twelve. We could revisit, or five we, years or later. it would be I. I think we could, knowing us, because it takes us forever to talk anything. So I was about to say, well. Um, Rest in peace, uh, OG Batman. Yes, rest in peace, Adam West. Um, and Glenn Headley, yeah. who was an actress I just I grew up watching from Dick Tracy to Breakfast of Champions to I feel Dirty bad. Rotten Scoundrels. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, of course. What's the movie she made where with her former uh, husband John Malkovich, where John Malkovich is like a robot? Shit, she's in it, but whatever. Yeah, I she's loved, in a lot of stuff. I had she's, I, she's in a lot of I, stuff. I loved her when I was a kid. She's great, yeah. As, as she, she reminds me of that teacher who's cool, like the teacher you like. Yeah. You don't have a crush on, but a teacher that you like giving hugs and you like going to her class when you're in elementary school. I asked for Dick Tracy on VHS for my for my birthday, the you know. Awesome. A year ago. Yeah. I that was my, that was a yeah. joke. Oh, was, I thought you were being serious. No, no, no. I had it on VHS when I was a kid, and I would watch it all the time. I love that movie. I'm about to be serious. In the um, third grade. I remember vividly me and my friends a group of my friends we all took turns reenacting the scene where Dick Tracy punches one guy and they all fall over so we would all get in a pot like someone would play Dick Tracy punch we'd all fall over each other and alright my turn and then some it would just be a road that was like what we did for all for our, all recess once I, I, I like that uh, Mrs. Russell has has figured out that, that our show is sort of like a phil- philosophy podcast yes but I'm surprised that no one's noticed that our that we're also kind of a wrestling podcast yeah, yeah. I think I give a little hints at this point. People know that you know I'm a wrestling guy, and you know your stuff about wrestling too. So I studied the dirt yeah. sheets. Dirt sheets. Dave Meltzer. Shout out to Wrestling Observer Online. I just remember the the scene. One of my favorite scenes that I try to reenact when I'm trying to make people that don't know me uncomfortable is a scene from Dirty Roddy Scandrels. Like, brother, can I use the bathroom now? <laughs> yes. And he just stands there, and he's like, "All done." I try to do that to make people uncomfortable. Pretend <laughs> like I'm because what I'm saying is I'm pretending like I'm peeing my pants. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think I think that's pretty good for for today. Yeah. Very good. I think once the can't once once the record is off, we have to decide if we want to put up our next episode with a special guest. We won't say who, or if we should put up the Freddie Got Finger uh, Fingered episode. We got to figure out which of the two. We got to decide. After this one, yeah. Also, like it's it's troubling that that we recorded the the Freddy Got Fingered episode on mini discs. So I don't know that we, we gotta get some converters, some, yeah. some RCAs, some some tape splicers. Uh, yeah, it was recorded in an archaic way, but I think we if if that's the episode we want to go to, you guys have a week to, it to, was, to digest it was, this. It was recorded on a jellyfish. Recorded on jellyfish. We recorded it on, on a jazz drive, actually. Yo, I got um, a funny story. So, if we didn't take forever to talk about things, it would be nice to just, like, go over all Batman movies, including animated ones. Because, sure. okay. like, for a while, I, I think... So. For a while, I think Mask of the Phantasm was the strongest yeah, Batman say, film. Um, but there's, like, DC's been making a lot of animated movies lately that are pretty good. Mm. And also not so good. Like, there's one that made off the killing joke that really took the wrong things wow. but um yeah keep on rocking in the free world and doot 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 
All right. It's my hooves. You know, Jim Cornette, in the islands, we have a saying, and it's the same all over the world. When you lay down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. And I want no part of you. Attaboy, Rock. Rocky Maivia showing great judgment. You're trying to embarrass. You can't do this to me. I'm going to tell you something, son. I can teach somebody enough in five minutes to beat you, punk. Nobody embarrasses me. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Jim Cornette, I will make it to the top of the World Wrestling Federation on my own, or I will not make it at all. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Bobby, Bobby, C'est sur la terre en coin de Paradis. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby.